Jay Cole, and welcome to this audiophile extra. We are a music and arts radio show that focuses on the local arts in East and North Yorkshire. On the weekend of the 12th of July 2019, I had the great pleasure of going over to Hull to the New Music Biennial, which was a, a whole weekend of free music, free new music that was hosted across the city. And what we're actually going to do here is, is the first of a two-part audiophile extra uh, where we're going to play some of the pieces of music that were featured in the whole New Music Biennial. Each piece of music is 15 minutes or thereabouts. So let's get started. Now, the first piece of music was a collaboration between Aidan O'Rourke, Kit Downs and James Robinson. Now, James Robinson had written a book of poems or short stories called 365, where he'd written a short story every day of the year. Aidan O'Rourke took up the mantle and then wrote music in response to James's book. And here is a collaboration between the three of them. Twenty-eighth of May. My father and I are reading the papers. Dad's daily paper is the Herald, a broadsheet. After a while, the pages get out of control, and he spends a lot of time trying to reorder them. I offer to help, but he says he's fine. He isn't. This is one of the things that has changed. He can still take in and retain a lot of information from the paper, but the physical organization of the pages causes him great difficulty and tires him. When he falls into a doze, I rescue the paper and restore it to its correct page sequence. I have a go at the cryptic crossword, something we used to do together, but which is now beyond him. He wakes up. You want the paper back? No, I'm fine, he repeats. He turns his attention to the jumble of pens, CDs, keys, coins and junk mail on the shelf beside his chair. I can see he's decided to tidy this all up. He becomes completely oblivious to my presence. He can't reach every item with his hand, so he uses a pen to nudge things closer. A bunch of keys falls to the floor. I force myself not to go to his assistance. This is an opportunity for me to observe, not to help. Slowly, stiffly, he stretches down and retrieves the keys. He uses the pen to guide a CD case to the edge of the shelf and manages to grasp it before it falls. He's less successful with the coins, but they drop within reach. 
and with agonizing slowness, he picks them up. Item by item, he transfers the pile into his lap. This takes about 20 minutes. He dozes again. I finish the crossword. Waking again, he starts to move everything from his lap back to the shelf. The pens, coins, CDs, keys and junk mail return to where they were in a different order that is no tidier than before. This is what my father does these days. This is what he can achieve unaided. Do you fancy a cup of tea, I ask. He smiles. Lovely, he says. I go to put the kettle on. Second of June. False Sir John came wooing. And that's a polite word for it. He wooed a young lass of great beauty, the only child of her father, and her name was May Colvin. Sir John would not leave her alone. To him, no, never meant no. At last she gave in and agreed to go with him. 
So he went down to her father's stables and took the best horse that was there. He took that horse and mounted it, and May Colvin went with him. And they rode till they came to a lonely place, a cliff beside the sea. You can get down now, said false Sir John. There's your bridal bed. Seven lasses I have drowned, and you'll be the eighth. But first, off with all your finery, your silk dress, and your fancy shoes. It would be a shame to ruin them in the salt sea. You're a despicable monster, she said, but I think you are still gentleman enough not to watch as I undress. Please turn your back and spare me my shame. His pride was flattered. No sooner did he turn away than Meekhoven rushed at him and barged him off the cliff into the sea. Piteous then were his cries for help, but she neither helped nor pitied him. If you drown seven lasses, she said, you can be husband to them all, watching him sink. And then she rode her father's horse through the night and was home before dawn. As she crept in, a parrot in the house began to squawk. Where have you been, May Colvin? Where's false Sir John, May Colvin? You rode away with him, May Colvin. Hold your tongue, pretty bird, hissed May Colvin. I did what I had to do. Hold your tongue, and I will make you a golden cage to hang in the willow tree. But carry on with your chatter, and I'll not be half so nice. Her father called from his room. What's wrong with that parrot? It's never ceased prattling since daybreak. A cat, a cat, the parrot cried. A cat was at my cage door. But me, Colvin, scared it away. All's well again. All's well.
January. The girl climbed the stairs to bed, carrying a much-loved book, a collection of fairy tales. Even before she could read, that book had gone everywhere with her. She would insist on the stories being read to her, or she would look at the pictures and tell the stories to herself. Later, she read them out loud, and now she was able to read them into herself. The book was part of her, and a part of her was in the book. Her father cycled to his work every day, five miles there and five miles back, more than 2,000 miles every year. If you are familiar with Pluck's theory of atomic exchange, you will understand how, over time, some of him became bicycle, and some of his bicycle became him. Yet despite this interaction, it was still quite easy to tell them apart. Often, the girl would sit and watch her mother sewing and patching a favourite pair of jeans. She had had these jeans for many years, and there were so many repairs in them that it became impossible to discern where the original material stopped and the repairs began. But as far as the mother was concerned, they were still the same jeans, and they still fitted her. The girl's grandfather had spent his life at sea and now liked nothing better than to potter about in his wee wooden boat. It was an old boat. It had been his father's and before that his father's, back and back through the generations. And the boat was like the jeans. Everything in it had been replaced at some time or other. Boards, mast, tiller, oars, sails, ropes, but it was still both the grandfather's boat and the boat his ancestors had sailed. And then there was the grandmother 
a fine, youthful woman, but with new hips, new knees, new toe joints, and various internal organs that had not originally belonged to her. Yet, when her granddaughter cooded into her, she was still soft and warm and smelled just the same as she always had. And soon, the girl would be a woman. But where would the girl in her end and the woman begin? Welcome to the audio file. My name's Dan Jones, I'm the composer of music for Seven Ice Cream Bands. Music for Seven Ice Cream Vans is a piece that I sort of thought up as a film composer, working on a film called Last Resort, which I ended up not scoring, but the idea, seeing these opening shots over Margate, was of how to create the atmosphere of a typical suburban seaside town in late summer, hazy images of, of endless rooftops. And I suppose that is almost the essence of British summertime suburbia, is, is the sound of a distant ice cream van. And I thought, what about adapting that, and rather than having it play? match of the day or green sleeves what if it was playing sort of medieval trope how would we feel about that what would happen to you if you were washing your car or having a barbecue and you heard that van playing something slightly different I suppose the beautiful and, and haunting thing about ice cream van music regardless of what the tune is is the distance and the way that the van moving and reflecting sound across concrete or tarmac the pitch shifts very gently as the van moves backwards and forwards, left and right. And I wanted to sort of exploit that as part of really what is in effect a giant surround sound piece, creating a sound field on the scale of a, of a suburb, ideally. It's a sort of celebration of British suburbia, both the, the light and the dark side. Bye. 
That was Dan Jones there with his music for Seven Ice Cream Vans, which I have to say, I it didn't really work for me. It works great as a piece of music in its own right, but when it was being performed or played via the Seven Vans, um, it just didn't really work. It was too noisy on the streets of Hull. Our next piece was performed on the... At the Saturday lunchtime on the 13th of July, and this was by Klein. And this was a, a collage of drama and dance um, from the London based composer and musician. And the piece is called Osani. <laughs> Sitting in the office in trouble, and all of a sudden walked through the door his grandma, making her strong and dominant presence known with grace. She approaches my principal, and I could see them speaking from a distance, talking about something. I obviously assumed it was about me, but there wasn't any yelling or argument. Shortly after, the teacher went Still no mention of the incident. Right before she tucks me into bed, like usual, she gives me a kiss. And right before she sheds the lights, she says softly, but certainly with all intention for me to hear, you're smarter than that. She was a determined woman, very persistent in every sense of the word. She used to have conversations with me about what it meant to be black, tell us stories of when she was on the road, touring around, doing what she believed she was put on this earth to do. She's famous. I wish things were different. I wish things were different. Praise his holy name. 
When we act from comfort and familiarity rather than a clear you. intention and desire, more often than not, not that's a bad habit.
That was Klein there with her piece, Osani. Next on the Saturday the 13th, we had Jessica Curry with her piece, She Who, which uh, is a piece that celebrates the powerful, beautiful, collective voices of women and youth and is performed by the National Youth Chamber Choir. She Who is a piece about being a woman. I'm obviously a female composer and... I've been traditionally surrounded by male voices growing up learning about music. You know, you learn about Mozart, Beethoven, Bach, all the greats, but there weren't so many female influences. And it's taken me a long time to unashamedly write a piece of music about what it's like to be a woman. The text of She Who is by Judy Grahn, who's a feminist activist poet. She's American and I come from the games industry. It's sometimes quite a negative and dangerous place to be a woman and... I wanted to express something positive about femininity and womanhood and her words just absolutely resonated so powerfully. She who continues, she who is the first person, the first person to know other. And um, I was saying before that I'm a wife, I'm a mum, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter and I love all those roles. But for me, being a composer is literally the only time in my life where I get to be me, Jessica Curry. And that space is so important to me. Thank you. 
Jessica Curry and the National Youth Chamber Choir there with her piece, She Who. The next performance was mid-afternoon on Saturday, which was at 3.30 in the whole City Hall, and was a collaboration between Gazelle Twin and Max DeWardner. And I was particularly looking forward to this.
Next up was a performance that uh, happened in the early evening, about 8.30, at Fruit in Hull on the Saturday, and this was local boys Num Mob. So they're two, a duo of electronic music artists from Beverly, and they did an audiovisual piece. I have to say, I didn't feel that the visuals particularly worked, although they were well filmed, but there was no narrative to them. They were just shots of derelict, desolate parts of Hull. But the music, I thought, was exceptional.
That was Beverly-based electronic duo Numbob there with their piece Where to Build in Stone. And next up was a performance that uh, was scheduled for 11 o'clock on the Sunday morning of the 14th of July. And this was over at the University of Hull's University Chapel. Uh, and this was Claire M. Singer's Glenn Kuhn. Claire Singer is known for her experimental approach to the organ and she used the chapel organ to great effect.
And now we're down to the last piece for this first half of the audio file extra new music biennial. And this was by the very brilliant jazz orchestra leader and composer Sam Eastman. And it was his piece Brit-ish, which was performed on the Sunday at the Hull Truck Theatre. So thanks very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the last couple of hours of music. And just before I leave you there, I'm very pleased to announce that the Audio File Radio Show has been nominated for a Outstanding Media Award by the Yorkshire Gig Guides. You can vote for us up until the end of August. And I'll put a link in the notes down below. So it'd be great if you've got five minutes to just pop along there onto the website and you can do it on, uh, on any device and just give us a quick vote. Thanks very much. See you in the next podcast. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.
Bye. Uh-huh.